Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. team for leading us in that time of song. I hope that you were encouraged and blessed by it. I invite you today to take your copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Corinthians. Today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 50 together this morning as we consider the last sermon in our series uh, for Easter, our series of multifaceted Easter leading up to today, redemption. We're going to talk about the resurrection and redemption. Over the previous weeks, as you turn to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, over the previous weeks, we've talked about how miraculous the resurrection was. Uh, we've talked about the theology of the resurrection, doctrinal key points to it. Talked about several things over the, the last few weeks. A prophecy that it was foretold that the Messiah would come uh, to save his people and die for their sins. So all this leading up to the day of the, the redemptive nature of the resurrection. And we're going to see what Paul has to say, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But as we think about Easter and the resurrection and what this day represents, I want to ask you a question as we begin. Can the resurrection really be true? Can the resurrection really be true? Now there seems to be three answers to that question. Yes, no, maybe. If we answer yes, then one wonders why do we not truly live as though it is true? Certainly this b belief would lead us to obedient living as the church. If we answer no, then we have a very narrow view of what hope really is. Hope for the one that answers no seems to be that t tomorrow will be just a little bit better than today. Or if we answer maybe, then we wrestle with uncertainty throughout our life. We are uncertain of both our current days and what the future has to hold. Today I want to share with you the redemptive hope as we consider this question that is in Christ's resurrection. Our time together today is worth your time because Christ's redemptive work solidifies our eternal assurance. And possessing eternal assurance propels us to a victorious life. And this need leads us to our big idea for today. I want to share our big idea our idea for the day with you right now. And the big idea for today is a victorious life arises in the resurrection of Christ. A victorious life arises in the resurrection of Christ. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 50. We'll go through uh, verse 57. And let's see what the Apostle Paul teaches here to the church at Corinth regarding the truth of the resurrection. Verse 50, this is what Paul says. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not at all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. Verse 53. 
For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. Sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A victorious life arises in the resurrection of Christ. So from this passage, I want to share with you three components together today, three major components one must consider in regards to the redemptive work of Christ and the resurrection. The first one comes from verse 50, an eternal need, an eternal need, that everyone has an eternal need. Over the past year or so, as we said earlier in our service together, uh, last year I was preaching to a camera and and the sound people. And y'all look better than the sound people. God bless them, I love them, but y'all look better than the sound people. So a lot has changed in the last year, right? And one thing that's changed is we've had to recalibrate a little bit about what's really important what really matters, right? We've, just like that GPS will recalibrate our, de- our destination, our direction to that destination, we've had to recalibrate, we've had to consider what really is important. And we under, come to understand that, that family is important, that relationships are important, that time together are important. These things, and, and maybe we've even recalibrated so much to understand that, that we need more than what this world has to offer us. And this is what Paul speaks about in verse 50, this eternal need that we all have. This eternal need that he speaks of, he says, it comes with flesh and blood. Now, as he writes that phrase, what does he mean? Well, this is a common way of referencing the here and the now. It's a common way of referencing what is taking place here in this world. It references to what we are most familiar with, but also what will fade away. Or what will eventually decay. It is a clear reminder of our weakness. That in our weakness, we have a great eternal need. That in our weakness, we have an eternal need that we cannot meet on our own. No matter how good we are, no matter how much we try, we do not have the code to crack. That eternal need. Paul says this temporary, this flesh and blood, it's decaying. It shows our weakness. Scholar Leon Morris comments, he says, The combination of flesh and blood and the perishable means that neither the living nor the dead at the coming of Christ will go into the kingdom as they are. Both must be changed. So this leads to a potent question for us as we move forward. And this question is, how can this need be met? This eternal need that we all have, how can this need of ours be met? Well, in the next verses, Paul reflects on the meeting of this eternal need. And he speaks about being clothed for eternity. So we first we see an eternal need. And in the next set of verses, verses 51 through 55, we see an eternal clothing. Clothing is something you got to have, right? Clothing is something you must have. But it can take on a life of its own, really. Now, it can take on a life of its own, and and both of these scenarios can be problematic. One way it can take on a life of its own is is that you still have items in your closet that have tags attached to it, right? 
And, and that speaks to maybe we buy a little too much, we consume a little too much, so that can be a, a problem down the road. The, the other way it could be a problem is that you have shirts that are 30 years or older. And most of your wardrobe is older than the millennial generation. So that's problematic as well. And so when we think about this, either way, it can be problematic. Either way that we look at it, it can be problematic. I was remembering a time where I, I, I was with a friend of mine. We went to Mississippi College together. And we went to this formal in New Orleans. And, you know, in college you get all these T-shirts, right? Every event you get some kind of T-shirt. Well, we went to this formal in New Orleans. We got these long sleeve T-shirts that we had. And then several years later we were hanging out and we were at a friend's house together. And, you know, the, the T-shirt was okay here and the sleeves seemed to be okay but not so much here, if you, if you know what I mean. And so I'm like, hey, man, I think it's time to retire that T-shirt. He's like, nope. I was like, why not? I'm pretty sure you need to retire that T-shirt. He was like, I don't buy T-shirts. T-shirts should be free. And so he had held on to this shirt, no matter how ugly, how many holes it had, he wasn't buying a T-shirt because that T-shirt was supposed to be free. You see, we can view clothing in a lot of different ways, right? I don't view clothing that way, by the, by the way. I, I, I will buy a T-shirt if I need it, right? I hope you will too, okay? But we have this need, Paul says, for an eternal clothing. One that's incorruptible, one that's immortal. Have you ever thought about spiritual clothing? As Paul writes about this in verses 51 through 55, have you ever considered that item on your list? The item of spiritual clothing. An eternal clothing where what is corruptible is clothed with incorruptibility. What is mortal and will decay and fade away is clothed in immortality. Being able to live forever. Maybe we shouldn't worry about the clothes we wear to church. and We should concentrate on the clothes that will get us to heaven. Because that's what Paul writes about here. As he writes to the church, as he speaks to the church, he says, there is going to be something that happens. And he uses the word listen. It's like a lasso. He reaches out to grab the audience. And, and that word listen in the original language of the New Testament, it's emphatic. So he's drawing them in real close. And he's saying, listen to what I have to tell you. And then he says that, that this clothing that we have in a blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, it will all change for those that trust Christ, for those that believe and follow the Lord Jesus. Quickly for believers, all of it will change and a new clothing will take place. A new clothing will take place. You see, the, the outfit we currently have, it's going to be replaced. This flesh and blood that he wrote about in the very first verse, it's going to be replaced. The perishable with the imperishable. This means that what decays will no longer the mortal will become immortal. This means once, what once died can now live forever. Scholars call this final step of the process of salvation glorification. A glorified risen body for those that have trusted in Jesus, who have called upon his name and believed in the resurrection and the power of it. There is victory. And there is an eternal clothing that takes place that Paul writes about here. How do we get this new clothing? Well, we've been alluding to it. How do we get this eternal clothing that turns us from mortal to immortal? How do we get this clothing, this eternal clothing 
this item that we are in desperate need of because we all have an eternal need. How do we get it? By calling upon the name of Jesus in faith and trusting in the redeeming work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. And that's what Paul is saying here, that there is an eternal clothing that we all need. And when this change takes place, Paul does something here. He inserts the Old Testament. He inserts the Old Testament scripture, and it says that the victory of death has been swallowed up. Any, any of y'all like Pac-Man? Y'all played Pac-Man, right? Those little dots, and Pac-Man comes across, and he's eating all those dots, right? He's swallowing those dots, and those points are going up. The victory of death has been swallowed. And that passage says that no longer does death have victory and no longer does death have sting because of the redemption through Christ and through the resurrection. That those that trust in him will have the eternal need met. They'll, they'll be clothed in the eternal clothing. When you are pardoned by the death of Christ, death has no sting. And only hope remains. Only hope, true eternal hope remains. Now let's refresh the page to our original question. Let's refresh the page to our original question. Can the resurrection really be true? If your answer is yes, the next verses that I'm going to share with you, they speak to the victory that is in Christ. This truth is a reason that we celebrate Easter together today. If your answer is no, the next verse speaks to the present need that you have spiritually. If your answer is maybe, this verse speaks to what is offered only in Christ and in Christ alone. So what are those verses? Verses 56 and 57. Let's reread those together this morning. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, a victorious life rises. It arises in the resurrection of Christ. This eternal victory, it speaks to Christ and his power. You know, we live in a culture that we've seen over the last couple of years, this, this culture where there's a, there's a cancel aspect to it. And we've talked about that some on Sunday mornings here at First Baptist Church, that there's a, a cancel culture out there, that if you step out of some of the boundaries that the, the larger group thinks is not appropriate, then they want to cancel you out. They, they want to silence you. Now, that could be mistakes in your past, but still, they want to cancel you out and move you out because you're not within the realm of what they think you should be. And pastor and author Lily Giglio kind of links the cancel culture with the resurrection. And he says, they canceled Jesus, Right? They told lies about Jesus to put him on trial. They beat Jesus. He carried a cross that he was nailed to. They canceled Jesus. The world would say that Jesus was canceled, but Louis goes on to say this. Yet on the third day, his father uncanceled his son, leaving death and the grave in its wake. Praise be the one, our Lord Jesus Christ, because a victorious life arises in the resurrection. And this quote extends the truth of the eternal victory we see in verses 56 through 57. In verse 56, we see that sin is an enemy. And Paul warns specifically. 
see the law was given by God, when we talk about the law in Scripture, that goes back to the very first part that we read in the Old Testament. So the law was given divinely by God, but over time, human beings begin to weaponize it. And so what Paul is saying here is sin is the enemy and law is too heavy of a burden to carry. Because Paul comes from that background. That's, a, that's why he's able to clarify that and write that. He comes from a law-heavy laden background, and now he's living in a grace-filled mission to build the kingdom of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so because Paul has been brought out of that, and because Paul is living on mission, he is an example of that eternal victory that only comes through Christ. Because a victorious life arises in the resurrection of Christ. In Christ, we are redeemed and victorious. And the idea behind that term redeemed, it means to buy back. So if you hear me say redeemed or Christ is the redeemer, that means that Christ, through the cross and through the resurrection, through the gospel, he has bought us back. He has brought us from darkness and sin into light and into life. And that is available for all who would believe because of victorious life arises in the resurrection of Christ. A couple weeks ago, as we get close to, to wrapping up here, a couple weeks ago, my wife went shopping on a Saturday. She took my oldest daughter, and they went all day Saturday down to Jackson shopping. I see some men nodding their heads. You know where I'm, you know where I'm at. I got you, brother. I got you, brother. But here's the beauty of what happened. She came back from shopping with something for me. Not clothes, not clothes. And as I reflect upon it, I think this was kind of the plan from the beginning. Because the shopping took a little bit longer than expected. And so before, as I text her about what we we're going to do for dinner, she said, oh, we're just going to stop at Chick-fil-A on the way home. Oh, that, that's fine. Y'all take care of that. So my wife uses the Chick-fil-A app to bypass the long line because there's always a long line, right? And because she had used the app a number of times, enough times to get enough points, she got a free chicken sandwich. Now I want to let you in on what I think the conversation was in our van. She looks at my daughter Addison and she says, all right, Addison, here's the play. You ready? You're going to take the chicken sandwich, and you're going to go in first. And you're going to say in your sweet little girl voice, Daddy, we brought you a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And when that happens, I'm going to take my Santa Claus bag full of stuff, and I'm going to go down the hallway to our room. Divert him. I have no proof, but that's what I think what happened. And so I'm sitting on the couch and see the lights come up and our little loud doorbell dog, Yorkie, comes barking. I'm like, ah, okay, come on. And sure enough, here comes Addison holding it like this. Look what, what, you got, what we got you, Daddy. A Chick-fil-A sandwich and it was free. <laughs> now, ladies, I want to talk to you for a second. Because if you want to go shopping and you want to take care of your husband, 
There is nothing like a free Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A sandwich to a man is salve on his financially crippled heart. <laughs> it will take care of it all. And sure enough, walked in, gave me that sandwich, and I didn't even think, I didn't even think about the shopping the rest of the time. Didn't even think about the shopping. But she had enough points to get the free chicken sandwich to redeem. Remember redeem, meaning buy back? She had, she had enough points to buy back and redeem the chicken sandwich to go about this wonderful thought out plan that she had. The resurrection shows us of our eternal need. You see, you, I don't have any points, spiritually speaking. You don't have any points, spiritually speaking. We can't earn points to where the scales tip and maybe, maybe we'll have eternal life if we're good enough. We don't have any points. We are locked and we are trapped and we are slaves to sin and we are in darkness in need of a Savior. But in Christ, death is swallowed up. In Christ, death has no sting. In Christ and the redemption of the resurrection, there is eternal victory for those that would trust and follow him with all of their life because he paid the price. The empty tomb is the last transaction to redeem the soul of one who would trust in Jesus. And friend, that's eternal victory. And that is what's offered through Jesus today on Easter and every single day. It's the truth and it's the heart of the gospel because a victorious life arises in the resurrection of Christ. And friend, as we wrap up, come in here close. That's what I want for you today. I want you to experience the victorious life that is only found in Christ. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He goes on to say that I bring abundant life. That's what I want for you, friend. Brother and sister in Christ, I, I want a victorious life for you, that you would live in the victory and the power of Jesus Christ, knowing him as Lord and Savior and following him with eternal hope to the eternal victory that is only found in him alone. I want you to trust in him. I want, I want you to be in his presence one day in heaven, having known the eternal victory, maybe even beginning today. Because a victorious life arises in the resurrection of Christ. We wrap up and we consider our, our question. Our question, can the resurrection really be true? If it's not, then there's really no eternal hope. Can the resurrection be true? If it only could possibly be true, then there's no assurance. Can the resurrection really be true? If it is, friend, I'm here to tell you today that it is. There is victory. There is victory. 
there is power to live a victorious life now knowing the one who walked out of the tomb and conquered death. There is victory in knowing the one and trusting the one with all of our eternity for eternal victory and have the hope of everlasting eternal life. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? And the victory of death ended at an empty tomb. And what I want for you, friend, is to experience that victorious life that only arises in the resurrection of Christ. Let me pray for you. Lord, I bow before you today, and we thank you for who you are. And we praise you today for the resurrection. We praise you that you lived the life that we couldn't live. You lived a perfect, sinless life. We, we praise you that you died the death that we deserved, that you went to the cross in our place. And we praise you specifically today for conquering death and the resurrection. Lord, there may be one here today that, that has questions. They're on a spiritual journey and they have questions to ask. There may be one here today that, that knows that you're calling them into faith and into salvation today. And they want to make that decision. There may be one listening today through our live stream or elsewhere, God. I'm going to invite you, if you're listening to our live stream today right now, I'm going to invite you to, if you have questions or if you have a decision you want someone to, to connect with you regarding, will you send us a private message right now? Right here in the house, you may have a decision to make today or maybe you need prayer. As we get ready to dismiss, I, I want you to know that then my information, my contact information is going to be up on the screen. Because the invitation doesn't have to be on a Sunday morning. The invitation doesn't wrap up to follow Jesus or to, to come to the Lord and, and, and seek prayer and, and to seek understanding. None of, that, none of that ends on Sunday morning. The invitation is always open. And so I want you to have my contact information so that if you go home today and the Lord has spoken to you, that you would reach out and we could have a conversation and we could pray together, and we could, we could talk about what it means to follow Jesus and the eternal victory that's in him. Maybe right now you just want to pray where you are right now before we dismiss and before we close. Seeking the Lord right now on this Easter Sunday. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've been facing, but I know the one who does. And I know he has a victorious life for you to lead when you submit in obedience to him. If you have a decision right now and you can't wait, I want you to know that when we dismiss, we're having to do things differently during this time, but that's okay. When we dismiss and everybody's out and everybody's moved on and everybody's pulling out of the parking lot, I'm going to be here. And you can walk back in with no one around, no one looking, and I want to be here to help you with whatever question you have, 